Morley Safer is here along with fellow 60 Minutes correspondent Steve Croft. Welcome. Thank you, Charles. In your own words, tell me the essence of Mike Wallace. Irreverent, irascible, competitive beyond belief, and at the same time, I know this is going to surprise people, unsure of himself. Mm. Unsure of himself. This confident, tough. Mike always felt that he had not paid his dues as a journalist. And I think it's one of the things that made him such a tough guy. Out to prove himself on every story, every day. Um, and uh, it's what, and he was relentless in that. And he's confessed it to, to a lot of people, including me. Uh, that, uh, that, that that uncertainty or that even perhaps shame of having done commercials and silly stuff uh, haunted him. Essence. The performer, I think. Yeah. A great journalist. He became a great journalist as good as anyone. Uh, but he had this ability to make people want to watch him and listen to him. And he was really, I think, the first great television news performer. Mm -hmm. And he came from a long background. He started in that period of time when there was a, a very fuzzy line between news and, uh, and, uh, and journalism. But he demanded to be watched. And, uh, you know, it was also this combination that he had of guile and goal. He was not afraid to ask the outrageous question, and it was what made him great. And you never knew what was coming next when you watched the Mike Wallace story. Well, to me, that was part of the fun of it. I never had the honor of meeting him, as all of you did. And I got a kick out of watching all three of you. When the tape was playing, it would bring back laughter. To You'd see moments of Mike Wallace. But I'm so surprised, Morley, when you said he was unsure of himself, because he seemed to thrive on the those. He said there's well, no such thing out, as an industry question out to prove himself on every story every day. The other thing that should be said, I absolutely agree with what Steve said, is that he could charm people. Yeah. He could charm people into that chair. Yeah. And he loved villains. Well, picking up on what Steve said, too, he could make the question as interesting as the answer. More interesting, generally. I mean, I, nobody remembers what the Ayatollah Khomeini answered to Mike's question. But, um, and you know, sometimes, quite honestly, you have to ask the right question. You have to ask questions, even if even you, though you know you're not going to get an answer. Right. So, and sometimes you have to run the answer. Something else. 60 Minutes would not still be on the air, but for Mike. Mm. I think people started to tune in to us in big numbers back in the late 70s, early 80s, to see what Mike Wallace was going to be up to next. Mm. There's no question in my mind uh, that uh, he, is, he is really the along with, of course, with Don Hewitt, the real founder. Don used to say, you know, people want to know what, what adventure Mike's going to go yeah. on next. <clears throat> He'd send my reporters out in search of stories. Mm -hmm. uh, go tell a story, he said, was a success of 60 Minutes. Uh, there is also this. He loved the interesting people, even though it was not a politician. He loved Horowitz. I mean, he loved the people uh, that somehow he could find out what made them tick, the famous. Absolutely. And the, he hung with the pretty 
lofty crowd in New York. So he knew. It's uh, a nice way to put it, Steve. He knew. Yeah. He knew everyone. Yeah. And he had known them for yeah. 40 years. I mean, this is somebody. I mean, think about it. How many people have been parodied on the Sid Caesar show and the Symptoms? <laughs> I mean, that says a lot. That says you had been around and yeah. been noteworthy for yeah. 60 years. And at dinner, he would do the same thing. At dinner parties, oh, he, he would did grill you on television. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you mean, Charlie? What do you mean? He'd ask questions, and he would see one person and put him against the other person. Mm -hmm. Can you believe oh, that? It was like you're on the set of a television party. show at a regular yeah. dinner party. There was also the famous forgive me, too. Forgive oh, me, yeah. sir. Yes. But, well, you knew something really yeah. tough was coming if he started forgive to forgive me. Forgive me, sir. Me. Yeah. Not my word. <laughs> and Marcellus said you're a lunatic. <laughs> forgive me. Um, the competition between you guys, did it ever create friction between you? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call a leading question. <laughs> I don't know how much friction there would have been if Mike hadn't have been there. But it was kind of like Mike was, was so geared up and so competitive that. Um, uh, you had to, if you wanted anything left on the plate, you had to be tough. Yeah, you, he, uh, you he, described, he described himself once, sorry, sorry Charlie, as uh, being prickly when it came to competing against his colleagues for well, a no, story. No, no, no. Not prickly? prickly. 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 Too kind. <laughs> That's Sounds too like kind. Choir boy. Mike was never. Yeah. The, the, we were neighbors for 37 years, 38 years. Meaning his office was next to your office? Next door, and right. Steve is now in that right. office. And there were a couple of years in there which we didn't talk to each other. You we and communicated Mike did not speak. through other people. Wow. Now, why was that? Well, Mike. <laughs> how do I put this? Yes, how do you put this? Mike would steal stories. <laughs> Steve, would he steal stories? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and I always thought that the worst thing, the worst thing than. Uh, uh, losing a story to Mike was actually getting a story from Mike on the rare occasion that it happened because the retribution would last for six months. <laughs> wow. There are also these interesting, I mean, you know, the difficult times he had after the Westmoreland, you know, uh, and, and coming back and finding himself again after those difficult times. Well, he went through a few difficult times, as you know. I mean, uh, lost his son. Yeah. Uh, that's when he turned and to serious journalism, and then... I think that that's when Mike, yes, Mike, when Mike decided that uh, he wanted to make, he wanted to do something that was important, that was satisfying, mm -hmm. and that could use his, his genuine talents as a journalist, despite his doubts about himself. Everybody else knew he was terrific, mm -hmm. and he was never fully certain that he was. And I think that's what accounted for this unbelievable com competitiveness, uh, that he was going to go out and prove I'm as good as anybody in this racket. And he, I used to tell him, Mike, you're better than everybody in this racket. You, you know what's so interesting to me, because when we think of 60 Minutes, we think hit show. But from the beginning, Morley, it was just you and Mike. And for a long time, the show did not do well. Well, it was Harry, Harry and Mike. Uh, you know, Don Hewitt used to say, we, we need a white hat and a black hat. Yeah. Uh, uh, Harry was the white hat. Mike was the black hat. I was the white hat. White hat. Yeah. All right, stay with us. I want to introduce Bob Schieffer. Next Sunday, 60 Minutes, will broadcast a special tribute to Mike. Uh, but we have Bob Schieffer coming up now. Bob, can you hear us? I can. Uh, remember our colleague Mike Wallace for us as we sit here with Morley and Steve and Gail? Well, it was, it's been fun for me just listening to, uh, to Morley uh, uh, talk about uh, Mike way back there and Steve. Uh, you know, uh, 
those of us in hard news, what people don't understand about a big organization like ours, they're little separate fiefdoms. And, you know, all the folks at 60 Minutes, they're all over here. And those of us who were covering the daily news, we were over in another place. And we didn't come together uh, all that much listening to them. I think it might have been easier to be a friend of Mike Wallace if you weren't competing with him uh, every day uh, uh, for those stories. But he was. He was such a wonderful person, and, and he was such a great yeah. newsman. And uh, I, I was very interested uh, in what Morley said about he was never sure of himself. But aren't all the great ones that way? Yeah. I, I played a lot of sports in my life growing up, and I never knew anybody uh, in sports who took it for granted. The guy who hit the home runs would, right. was the one who always said, if I don't hit a home run this time, they're not going to think I'm very good. <laughs> and and that's, that's exactly the way Mike Wallace was. But you know, the, the thing that I will always remember, 1976, uh, Ronald Reagan was challenging uh, Gerald Ford uh, for the Republican nomination. We all got to Kansas City. We didn't know if Ford was going to get it. And I was on some kind of a panel uh, with Mike uh, uh, before that, and I was giving him a ride back to the hotel. And he said to me, and he was always a needler. You know, he'd always, you'd see Mike, and sometimes he'd say, have you put on a couple of pounds? <laughs> or something like that. But we're in the car with him, and, and he came back, and he said, you know, Bob, you really know this story. And I can remember that as if it were yesterday. Mike Wallace uh, gave me a compliment. I still remember it, and uh, it, it, it meant so much to me to know that somebody as good as Mike Wallace uh, thought that maybe I knew something about the story I was covering. But, the interesting uh, story. He, he was he was unique. I've never met anybody quite like him. Uh, the interesting story too is that Ronald Reagan offered him the job but wanted him to be his press secretary. He said Nixon. Nixon? Nixon. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Friends with Nixon. I'm absolutely right. Nixon. And he said no because he couldn't leave. He said I can't imagine having to sugarcoat a story. A story. <laughs> Let me turn Can I say Yes please Bob, go ahead. Uh, can I just say something about that? Because I was thinking about that. What would, and you know, a journalist's favorite game is playing what if. What if Mike Wallace had taken that job? This was 1968. This was before that awful convention that the Democrats would later have in Chicago. And uh, Mike uh, Wallace was offered the job as Richard Nixon's press secretary. What if he had taken that job? Uh, would Nixon have gone on to uh, would have been impeached uh, be the same kind of guy he was? I mean, would, would, would no, Mike Wallace question. have been someone Bob, who knew question. so much about journalism that he said, don't do these things? Yeah. I, I just wonder what if. Uh, or encouraged him to find out what the truth was immediately and let it all hang out. Uh, you said he, he was the best. Why was he the best, Steve? Oh. He was just a great interviewer. He had a knack for asking questions, for framing questions, and he was quick and cunning. And he really knew how to get in under somebody's skin. And I think in the interviews, he always tried to do that. I think, well, take a look at the uh, Khomeini interview. I, I think that he, his modus operandi was to ask a few questions that put people completely off balance. And then once he had them off balance, to really try and get inside their head. No, part and of the beauty really was, Steve, though, watching him ask the question to uh -huh. see how he was going to phrase it. There, there's been some doozies that I'll never forget. No, I, mean, I think the essence of it, what made him a great reporter, even though he didn't believe it, I've got to go in 20 seconds. Getting, he could get, with a question, to the very Thank core, the heart of the story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. 
Bob Schieffer, Marley Safer, and Steve Croft. Thanks. Next Sunday, 60 Minutes broadcast. A very special tribute to Mike Wallace.